0: Well, I guarantee you God's got good word for you this morning, too. So you can watch that when you get home. <laughs> and I want to uh, thank you to Rich and Mike doctor and Pastor Mark. For, uh, it probably seems easy to put something like that up on the screen, but when, you, when I ask for it at the last minute, and you know, it's not that easy, so I <laughs> appreciate you guys pulling that off. Uh, who, who do you think of when you think of courageous people? You might think of soldiers or firefighters or police officers, you know, people who risk their personal safety to do their jobs. Or you might think of uh, uh, someone who stands up to an oppressive government or someone who's overcome great disabilities. You probably, though, don't think, at least immediately, of biblical characters though there are plenty of courageous characters in the Bible. Um, uh, Abraham, leaving his home and his country obediently to move to the land that we now call Israel. Uh, Moses, standing up to Pharaoh and insisting that he set his people free from slavery in Egypt. Joshua, leading the Israelites into the promised land. Uh, and the list goes on. You can continue through the old testament and uh, and then g- continuing into the new testament from uh, from the book of Acts on, we quickly see that uh, uh, the we see the courage of the apostles and the other followers of Christ because they were they were persecuted and they they stood firm, they persevered uh, uh, even through imprisonment and banishment and death and beatings and we don't suffer that that kind of suffering here in this country typically today but we certainly can suffer from following christ and trying to accomplish his mission we may suffer ridicule and insult and hurt feelings and lawsuits and embarrassment uh, and lots worse So I I hope we can agree that accomplishing the mission of Jesus takes courage. It takes courage. Now, courageous is not at the top of the list of words that I would use to describe myself. And it's, it's probably not at the top of the list of words that you would use to describe yourself either. It's one of those words that we tend to reserve for Extraordinary people, uh, extraordinary events. And it's not that we're not courageous. Uh, it's just we, we, mis- we make that mistake of reserving that word for them. We, we too often, we have a, a distorted view of what courage really is. Our worldview of what courage is, uh, it might be closer to that of the lion from the Wizard of Oz. That, uh, that being courageous means we have to act, uh, act tough and be the king of the forest. Uh, we have the false impression that courage means never being afraid. Or that courage means accepting any challenge, no matter how dangerous or foolish that challenge may be. I'm confident that every soldier that has ever gone into a war zone experienced fear. but That fear did not keep them from being courageous. And I'm also confident that any teenager who accepts a dare to dive into unknown water from 30 feet high is not acting courageously, <laughs> they're acting foolishly. If we think of courage as having to be tough or having to be in charge uh, or, or, or to not feel fear or to take on any challenge, then we naturally would think, well, that's, that's not me. I'm not courageous. The lion confessed that. We find out that his bravado is just a big act. And uh, when he's put to the test, he really is just gripped by fear. Well, today I want, to, I, want to convince, I want to convince you that you and I, ordinary people with ordinary abilities, can be as courageous as any of those people that we've spoken of. In fact, I hope that you'll leave here today thinking of yourself and your fellow ordinary Christians as courageous people. I want us to, to each understand that when it comes to uh, accomplishing the mission of Jesus, a mission that's more important than any other mission, that each one of us has the capacity to courageously play our part in that mission. The book of Acts is all about that, accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And how the apostles and the early church began that process, a process that continues today, and the mission of this church continues to be the same mission, same as it was then. Today's message is the third in a series on the book of Acts. The basis for our message today is going to be uh, Acts chapter 3 and continuing through chapter 4, verse 31. And you're probably going to find it easier if you like to follow along on paper you're going to find it easier to actually do that in your bibles and if you don't have one uh, there should be one in the pew in front of you or if you're in worship two in the seat under the seat in front of you the page number if you're using those bibles is page 1079 that's the beginning of chapter three we're going to cover a great deal of the scripture today so that's why i suggest following along there but we also will be showing it on the screen and as we go through this story, I want to point out how Peter and John display courage. So we'll stop along the way. John, by the way, is accompanying Peter, but you'll see in the story that Peter plays a major role, so he's gonna, Peter's going to get most of uh, our attention today. No slight on John. Let's look at uh, chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now let's stop here for a moment and focus in on the first display of courage. How Peter displayed courage. He, he, he dared here to seize an opportunity. And you'll see in the, on the white sheet in your worship folder, uh, you can fill in these blanks and follow along, and you can see that it's D-Day. Everything starts with D. That's uh, just a really clever uh, thing we do to try to help us remember. (laughs) Uh, He dared to seize an opportunity. Now, Peter didn't have to heal this man. He could have ignored him, which wouldn't probably be terribly righteous behavior, but he could have done that. Lots of people do. He could have given him money. Now, Peter said that he didn't have silver or gold, but, but Peter had access to money. Uh, just before this in the story, uh, just before the story in Acts chapter two verse forty-five, there's a description there of how the believers pooled their resources, much like we do here with our special needs fund. Though they actually sold their possessions in order to fund this fund, and uh, and it says they they gave to anyone as he had need. So maybe Peter didn't carry money with him, but he could have. He was going to the temple. He knows that there are people there who have need. He knows that there will be beggars there. He could have brought some of this money to fill those needs. It seems clear that he chose not to give money to this beggar. And he chose to heal this man instead. And the question is, why? Why did he make that choice? Certainly, the man had a serious disability. And healing that disability was a far greater act of kindness than giving him money. But this is three in the afternoon, peak of activity at the temple, multiple people there begging, and probably multiple people there with disabilities. And still he chose this man at this time. It just may be that Peter made that choice to heal this man, Because he saw an opportunity and he wanted to seize it. This man was known. Verse 2 says that he was brought to this gate every day. Every day he's there. And verse 10, after he was healed, it says the people recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate. It, It created quite a stir, quite a stir when this guy was healed. People were filled with wonder and amazement. Had had Peter simply ignored this man or even just given him money, Peter could have just gone on his way into the temple under the radar, no expectations, no pressure. And instead, he had the courage to see an opportunity and seized that opportunity so that the people there wanted to know more. Let's continue the story, picking up at verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So here's our second way Peter displayed courage. He deflected the glory to Jesus. He deflected the glory to Jesus. Doing something to create glory for yourself is not courage. It's much better described as self-centeredness or arrogance, maybe even thrill-seeking. Only if your motivation is to glorify the cause is it courage. Peter didn't do this. He didn't try to make himself look good. If If he had he would have taken credit. It would have been something like, yeah, I can heal people. It's not easy. It takes a lot out of me. <laughs> but I could see this guy really needed me. But no, he didn't he didn't do that. Instead, he says, Hey, this wasn't me. I don't have any power. I don't have that kind of power. This was completely the power of faith in Jesus. And by the way, let me be clear about who this Jesus is. He is the Holy and Righteous One sent by God. You know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the one you handed over to be killed. Peter makes not a single claim about himself. He deflected all of the glory to Jesus. Now, Peter uh, continued to speak to the, cloud, to the crowd, explaining that all this was foretold by God in the scriptures. It was all along, it was God's plan to send his Messiah to save us from, his, from our wicked ways. Uh, and he includes God's gracious offer of forgiveness here in verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. We then go on and we get into chapter 4, starting with verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed, because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, here are a couple more examples of what we've already talked about. Peter again deflects the glory to Jesus. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this man stands before you healed, he said. And Peter is again daring to seize an opportunity. There there would be no greater opportunity in all of Jerusalem to convey the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ than at this council at this time. Let's continue with verse 13 in chapter 4. When they saw the council, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. Now, if you're Peter and John at this point, this would be a time where you probably... If any time at all, you're not going to be feeling real courageous at this point uh, because this, is a, uh, this council is powerful. Uh, this is the same council that, that played you know, a significant role in condemning Jesus. Annas and Caiaphas were, were right there. And uh, so they very well know what this council can do to them. And now the jury is out and they're just waiting. Uh, We get some insight into the council's deliberations next, verse 16. "'What are we going to do with these men?' they asked. "'Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, "'and we cannot deny it. "'But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, "'we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name.' "'Then they called them in again "'and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus.' But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Then after, uh, after they released Peter and John, they went back to the other followers of Christ. And, uh, and what do you suppose they did? Did they plot a strategy to lay low and stay out of trouble? Or uh, did they arm themselves? Or make a plan to go to the temple in bigger numbers so that they could fend off any further attempts to arrest them? Uh, no. They turned to God in prayer. And look at what they prayed for in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That brings us to the third demonstration of courage by Peter. He defied those who wanted him to go against God's will. The demand of the council was pretty simple. Stop talking about Jesus. It would have been a lot easier for Peter to just do that. Like a soldier surrounded by the enemy, just lay down your weapon and maybe you will survive. Peter did not do that. And now we do have to be careful here. This is this is not an advocation for rebellion. And for ignoring authority. We are called to respect the authorities that God has put in place. And defying those authorities is not what's being advocated here. But uh, uh, Peter, Peter and John uh, know that the authorities here are not acting according to the will of God. They're not trying to be rebellious. They're not trying to take the law in their own hands. They're not even trying to be disrespectful they simply reply that if you're not in line with the will of god and you're asking us to make a choice between listening to god or listening to you well guess where i'm going and by the way we we will speak about what we have seen and heard not rumors not lies not even opinions, but the truth that we are witnesses to. And it's, it is, it's implied here that if the council feels like they should be punished because of that choice, then they are willing to accept that punishment. This is not rebellion. The fact that they, uh, that they went, then went and prayed, not for protection from the council, and those making threats against them, but for courage to continue to speak boldly about God, it's it's further evidence that they were motivated purely by God's will. And we get that confirmation in verse 31, when it says, the place they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were able to speak boldly of God. So that that's the example of courage that Peter shows us. Here daring, deflecting and defying. That's a much better picture of courage. But the natural question then is how did he do that? After all just a short time ago, Peter was so afraid of what might happen to him that he denied even knowing Jesus. Not just in one moment of weakness, but three times. Let's look at that episode in Luke, starting at verse 54. And this is uh, just as, as Jesus was being arrested. Then, seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed Certainly this fellow is with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. So here's the case. When the enemy was all around him, Peter laid down his weapon and saved himself. And now we have Peter <coughs> defying and, and daring and showing courage. How can that be? Well, there's one main difference between when Peter denied Jesus and when Peter showed the courage here. And that difference is that he has been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might argue, well, that's not the only thing. He's witnessed a whole lot more. He's now witnessed the crucifixion. He's witnessed the resurrection. He's witnessed the ascension. That's all true. But Peter had witnessed many miraculous things. Denying that he knew Jesus. Walking on water. Turning water into wine. Feeding thousands with a few loaves. uh, Calming a storm. uh, Raising people from the dead. And in spite of all of those miracles and wonders that he witnessed, none of that was enough for him to courageously stand up when Jesus was arrested. None of that was. Jesus knew the Holy Spirit was needed. Uh, he even commanded Peter and the other disciples in Acts chapter 1, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was only after the Holy Spirit came, an event described in Acts chapter 2, the chapter just before this story, it was only after the Holy Spirit came that we see the evidence of this change in Peter. Now, for those of us who think, like maybe the lion, that uh, I can't be courageous like that. The Bible says that's baloney. Doesn't use that word, but, but that's what this story is telling us. Peter was ordinary, just like we are. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. And we are, or we can be, filled with the Holy Spirit just like Peter was. Now let me explain two ways being filled with the Holy Spirit gives us courage. First, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment. Discernment. The ability to see what's right in God's eyes. When when Jesus was explaining to his disciples that he would be leaving and the Holy Spirit would be coming, he explained that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. And that... He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. So God the Father has given all truth to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is going to make Jesus known to us. The Holy Spirit illuminates Jesus' teaching and opens our eyes to Jesus' teaching. And Let me, let me give you an example of that. Jesus had previously taught the disciples. This is back in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, "Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell." Now Jesus taught that, but at Jesus' arrest, Peter was still more afraid of those who could destroy the body. Now, with the Holy Spirit filling him, Peter is able to say to the council, listen, it's it's far worse for me to fail to listen to God than it is for me to fail to listen to you. Do do to me what you must. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Through the Holy Spirit, we can begin to understand what is right in God's eyes. Paul writes that unlike the person who has not received the Holy Spirit... We Christians have the mind of Christ, as Paul calls it, through the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. Second, the second way that the Holy Spirit gives us courage is he gives us direction. That is the guidance and the resources to act on what is right in God's eyes. Back in the first chapter of Acts, when Jesus was instructing the disciples before his departure, he told them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the Holy Spirit is not just bringing truth, he is bringing power, an ability to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, the obvious example here of power in this story is Peter's ability to heal this lame man. Uh, with, With discernment, Peter might have been able to see an opportunity, but recognizing it only matters if he acts on it, if he dared to seize it. And the Holy Spirit directed him to do so. And because Jesus had given him authority to heal and the Holy Spirit had brought the power to heal in Jesus' name, he was able to heal this man through faith in Jesus. And through that healing, he was able to witness to hundreds a good beginning on witnessing to the ends of the earth. We also see that the Holy Spirit directed Peter to speak out. And uh, he even gave him words to speak. If you, if you remember back in, in chapter 4, verse 8, when, when Peter and John were brought before the court and questioned, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, do you think Peter would have spoken this way before being filled with the Holy Spirit? Would he have had the words to say? The council didn't seem to think so. What the council said was, or what scripture says about the council is, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They weren't expecting that to come from Peter. We, too, are ordinary people. We, too, are. And many of us, though, are schooled, even. So we're, even, we're a step ahead, maybe. We don't all have the calling of Peter. <clears throat> but, uh, but we do each have a calling to play a part in accomplishing the mission of Jesus. And it takes courage for us to play that part. Because every believer in Jesus has the Holy Spirit indwelling them uh, as a gift of God, we each have the capacity to courageously play our part. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I hope that Considering this, you are feeling maybe like the lion did when he got his medal. But yours your feeling can be real. That real courage is there within you through letting yourself be filled with the Holy Spirit. And real courage, that your courage, real courage, is not bravado or Foolishness or self-centeredness, but it is genuine courage that dares, that defies, and deflects the glory to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, for your word, for this revelation about the courage that is available to us. Uh, Lord, you know, we, on our own, we don't feel very courageous when it comes to accomplishing the mission that, uh, that we have. But Lord, uh, through you and through the gift of your Holy Spirit, we see that we can be so. And Lord, we ask you to give us that, to give us that boldness so that we can speak about you, so that we can play our part. Lord, I pray that we feel that way, not just right now, sitting in this room, but as we leave this room, as we, as we go out and, and deal with the world, Lord, I pray that through each one of us, uh, your word is boldly, is boldly shared, and uh, we, we, we can testify about you to the ends of the earth. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.